0: Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Friday Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association,
1: and I'm Alicia Priest, president of the OEA. Friday Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday.
0: Well, we are joined today by the illustrious Amanda Ewing of our legislative team. Amanda, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks. Well uh, let's hear uh, let's hear how things turned out with the um, opportunity scholarship voucher tax credit scheme shenanigans.
2: Well, it's been a long three year fight but uh, we we lost that one this week. Uh, the legislature of yeah. the house uh, passed it by 63 three thirty38 I guess was their final vote uh, the Senate passed it by an even stronger margin. So we are uh, making a big expansion of tax credit vouchers in Oklahoma in the upcoming year.
1: It is unfortunate, and we are very disappointed in some of our friends. How uh,
0: were there any saving graces for this? I mean, this seems like a
2: dramatic increase
0: it is. I mean, this year.
2: You know, it is uh, not as bad as many versions of the bill that we've seen uh, earlier this year and in previous years. But it is dramatic. It's uh, something like a 400 percent increase in uh, the amount of money we direct to private schools in Oklahoma.
1: And not all the money was used previously. So increase for what? Yeah.
0: So but there was good news on the budget front. I mean, one one more thing about EOS, one more thing about that. At least it was um, bipartisan opposition.
2: That is true. It's true. We saw, you know, almost 40, Repub- uh, 40 votes in the House. Uh, so that took, you know, a lot of uh, Republicans and Democrats to get there. And we have some strong friends who took so much heat on this and, and yeah. stood with us. So I hope folks will be, you know, thanking those legislators who, yeah. who really did stand with public education on this all along.
0: So, uh, so to go back to the budget, I apologize. The budget has moved through. Yes where are we done?
2: Yes, we are. uh, I mean, everything with the budget seems to be moving along just fine. I think that they will probably be done with session on Monday or Tuesday of next week. And it looks very good for public ed. Um, You know, we're getting a increase of about $175 million to common education. And that's, you know, not even talking about all the federal money that we have uh, coming to our schools in the next couple of years uh, through the relief program. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, that's going to mean good things for schools that are really trying to uh, invest in students and, and come back from this, um, you know, insane last year that we've had. Yeah.
1: But 100 million of that is putting back in what they had cut last year. It's true.
2: 111 million actually was, you know, was cut last year. So they paid back those cuts, and then they put in a, an additional 60 million or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that is earmarked for textbooks. Um, And then another big thing about this budget is, you know, there's a statute in place that says when we reach certain, uh, you know, marks in increase in appropriations, then we're going to start reinstating the House Bill 1017 class size mandates. So with this level of appropriation, uh, we will start in the next 21-22 school year uh, reinstating the kindergarten and first grade class size mandates of 20 per class.
0: That is exciting. So we're almost done, almost done with the session.
2: Yes, just a few more days uh, and, you know, hoping nothing surprises us at the last minute. That can always happen. But so far, we're, we're hoping they just uh, stay focused, pass the budget and go home.
0: <laughs> well, very good. So good news, bad oh. news, ugly news. It's just a pile of all of it here at the Shenanigan end. Shenanigan so. news, yeah, news. So thank you, Amanda, for the update and thank you for your work.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: Well, we are so proud today to host two of our state representatives, um, Cindy Munson, who represents Oklahoma City, and Daniel Pay, who represents the Lawton area. Um, thank you both very much for your time in a very busy part of the year. We wanted to visit with you guys about um, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month and some other issues surrounding that. Um, why is this something that is still important to recognize and acknowledge um, and Representative Pay, let's hear from you first.
3: Absolutely. And thanks again, and Thank you, Alicia, uh, for putting this uh, podcast together. Um, to answer your question, I would say, number one, uh, is the fact that the Asian-American community is the fastest growing demographic uh, in the country. And so it's important that we continue to be involved uh, within the civics uh, process and to raise awareness about um, our culture, our heritage. And um, I think what is Oklahoma City Lawton uh, you have uh, different examples of uh, Asian Americans contributing uh, to our respective um, communities. Uh, and certainly, the past uh, year has been challenging, uh, to say the least, for the Asian American Pacific Islander uh, community with the COVID 19 uh, pandemic. Uh, not only just the virus, but also much of the uh, discrimination, a lot of the bigotry, uh, whether it's references to the China virus, the Kung Fu you name it, uh, it's been really tough for many Asian Americans across uh, the country. And so I think it's important that we uh, stand against that sort of hatred Mm -hmm. um, and really focus on the positives within the Asian American uh, Pacific Islander uh, community. And So so long as I uh, have this opportunity to serve uh, in this leadership role, I'll continue to um, stand up for this community and to really uh, show uh, why it's important that we're all involved in the process.
0: Representative Munson?
4: Yeah, I'll really just echo what Representative Pay uh, said about uh, the importance of making sure that the Asian American Pacific Islander community knows that they have representation at um at, you know at this level of government and uh, that we are joining together even though Representative Pay and I are in different caucuses and we serve different communities in our state. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that we have uh, made the commitment to work together on and um, ensure that our communities know that that, you know we're speaking up and um, we're doing our best to um, elevate the dialogue when it comes to the AAPI community and ensuring that we are bringing attention to the contributions that um, our community gives. To the economy, to our education system, um, and and making sure, especially for me, I think it's important. And I I think those who are listening are either teachers or or um, fierce advocates of public education. You know, a lot of our identities are formed and shaped while we're in school. And um, I had a lot of different struggles as I was growing up and not seeing representation, seeing Asian American women in government. And I think uh, it's important for our children to see. Um, elected leaders like Representative Pay and I who um, are doing the work and who are um, representing our communities in such a way that um, we hope that young people look up to and aspire to do someday when they get older as well.
1: You know, we, we talk about that on the podcast a lot that um, leadership figures need to be representative of the folks that, um, you know, that are looking up to them but not only that, as educators, we have a responsibility to put curriculum in, to put literature in, to teach history in a way mm-hmm. that it is appropriately reflective of our communities and expands the horizon of our students. And so, um, although this is American, uh, uh, Asian American uh, Pacific Islander Heritage Month, it doesn't just have to be during this month right? We need to expand and make sure that we are teaching in a well-rounded manner all year round.
0: So one of the things sort of to build off what we're talking about that I wanted to ask you guys about is, you know, right now with the rise in hate against our friends in the Asian American community, what, what, what would message would you send to educators? There are students You know, we know that our kids see what's happening. They know, they hear. Um, What message would you give to to teachers who have um, Asian American Pacific Islander kiddos in their classrooms right now? What what would you want them to consider or to think about?
3: I think uh, building off Alicia's point, it's important to teach uh, the holistic history of this country when it comes to Asian Americans. What I mean by that is the hatred, the discrimination we've seen in the past year in 2020, uh, it's not anything that's new because if you look back a century ago, you had the you know, Chinese exclusion ad, you had the Japanese internment camps, uh, things like that. Uh, so I, I think when it comes to American history and teaching it effectively, you have to look at all sides of things, not just what the good good parts are, what makes you feel uh, happy. Uh, we have to talk right. about everything when it comes to our history. Uh, and then more specifically, something that I've always tried to address in these types of uh, forms and settings is about uh Going against this model minority myth that all Asian Americans, uh, you know, are good at math, good at karate, etc. These stereotypes are really hurting the community uh, as a whole and trying to fight back against uh, that narrative because there are a lot of nuances, a lot of differences even Mm -hmm. within the Asian American Pacific Islander community. Um, So I think highlighting those nuances is really critical for educators.
4: Yeah, and I would add um, just being cognizant that you have students. Um, who are living in a lot of fear, who are scared um, and, and carrying that weight, not just for themselves, but likely their parents and um, mm-hmm. grandparents or aunts and uncles. And I think that's important to recognize and to create space to have those conversations. And um, certainly having honest conversations about our history and also um, using this as an opportunity to show how um. To set an example on how we can have dialogue around these issues and, and allow students to share their lived experiences because uh, no matter what age you are, what grade you're in, students are absorbing what their family members are telling them, what their teachers are telling them, what the community around them are telling them. And so I think you know, and it it is a lot of responsibility on educators, um, but I would I would guess that most educators would say it's an honor to to be able to facilitate those conversations and create an environment in their classroom where students feel safe to talk about what it is that they're going through. And um, when we look to the future and what we want for our state and for our country, uh, these students in your classroom today are our future leaders. And so how are we practicing, uh, listening to each other and um, mm-hmm. empathizing with each other during a time of great turmoil? We're all going through, um, you know, coming off of, coming out of, or nor- we're getting back to normal life. I don't really know where we're at with the <laughs> Point, but, you know, um, for each of us, it's a little bit different and we're all bouncing yeah. back, getting into normal life at our own pace. And mm-hmm. um, and so we're all going through um, some kind of recovery from the trauma that we've experienced. And then, you know, people of color, um, really, I would say every community of color, but specifically today, we're highlighting the Asian American community. And I think um, it's just important to be cognizant of that and create that space. Yes.
1: You know, and as you were talking about safety, um, we wanted to bring up uh, House Resolution 1015 by uh, Munson, Pay, and Fugate. Um, that is about a discriminatory treatment of Asian-American and Pacific Islanders. And um, and the House Resolution condemns such discriminatory uh, treatment. Uh, Representative Munson, will you tell us about that?
4: Yeah. Um, I'll add representative pay should be on there as well. We three, um, yes. Okay. Pay awesome. And Fugate. Yeah. We three, um, you know, had a conversation after the shootings in Atlanta, um, and, and thought it would be uh, wise for the three of us to come together and, and stand up together and, mm-hmm. um, share our experiences and and ask that our colleagues join us in condemning uh, the violent um, attacks and racist attacks on on Asian Americans in our country, um, but also in our state. You know, a lot of times communities will suffer in silence. They we don't yeah. always hear what's going on. You know, when when a mass right. shooting or something like that happens, we hear about it a little bit more it's a little easier to get that news as opposed to when things are going on just sort of every day. Um, and when it, when I brought the idea to representatives pay and Fugate, I did it because I felt like, you know, we have to do something. We, we bear the responsibility as, um, you know, some of the first Asian Americans to be elected to state government to, um, make sure that people know that they're seen and they're heard and that um, we are going to find ways to work together and and elevate the issues that are facing our communities.
0: You know, it's um you had you had touched on it, but it's it's still relatively new that there are Asian American representatives in our state capitol. And uh, Representative Munson, you are the first female Asian American elected to state office. And that blows my mind. I mean, I'm, it's something where it's just a reminder how far there is still to go when there are these checkpoints that it's like, wait, we just now are, are coming to this place.
4: Yeah. You know, I share this pretty frequently, um, that you know, when I was in high school, and in fact, I grew up where Representative pay uh, represents, I'm from Lawton, um, and so when I was in high school, that was really when I started to get um, interested in public service. My dad was in the military, um, and that really wasn't, wasn't something I wanted to do, and it really, he didn't want me to do that, and so I started looking into politics and public service, and I remember some of my first instincts were, um, where are women who look like me? Like I didn't ask that question out loud, but that's what I was searching for. And the first Asian American woman I saw on television was Elaine Chao, she was a secretary of labor at the time. And I remember thinking, Oh, there is someone who looks like me, you know, and and but no one at the state level. And and then the questions started to come in my mind about whether or not I was American enough or if I looked the right part or because I wasn't a third or fourth or fifth generation Oklahoma, you know, would I ever be able to serve my state in elected position? And, you know, again, those are not things I ever voiced to a teacher or to my dad or anybody. Um, It was just something I carried inside silently, and I think that um, just going back to our point about how important representation is, um, having students see that there are people who look like them, who have similar lived experiences as them, um, can aspire to do great things for their communities. It's just so important, and, um, you know, I worked for the Girl Scouts before I was elected to office, and something we always said was, you can't be what you can't see, and it was always important for us to bring women leaders in front of. Our girls to show them you can be anything you dream of, um, and it's important to see those women doing that work in our community. What about you, Representative Pay? There, I mean, we
0: we were discussing before we started recording, as um, Senator Yen, but really not a lot of representation. How talk about your journey to public service?
3: Absolutely, and I think maybe one reason why he's starting to see more. Um, Asian Americans uh, jump into the arena for politics run for office. Uh, I think there is a generational component with millennials and Gen Z being more uh, civically engaged. You certainly saw that mm-hmm. last summer with the George Floyd protests. It was a multi generational mm-hmm. uh, coalition. And that's ultimately how you can get sustainable change uh, to happen. And so, uh, Representative Munson and I were among the first Asian Americans to be elected to legislature. I hope we're not blessed. I hope we can continue to inspire others. Uh, to follow uh, in our paths, But for me, uh, you know, honestly, I was um, interested in medicine when I got to college. And, um, you know, quickly as I got more involved on campus, I uh, became more passionate about public uh, service. Um, And when I was in college, Parks and Recreation was on the air. And so I definitely inspired uh, by that show. Um, And uh, that's why I decided to move back home uh, to Laudan and work in uh, city government. And so I ran in the 2018 uh, cycle, and I didn't really expect to run for office uh, this early on. thought maybe, you know, wait a few more years uh, down the line. But when this house seat became an open seat, uh, I just thought that you never know when this type of opportunity will pop up again. And sure. in the 2018 cycle, you had education at the forefront um, uh, of all the issues and uh, growing up in public schools, uh, I was personally frustrated with all the cuts and the lack of attention I saw uh, from state government. And yeah. My parents have always taught me you know, that you can either complain about the issues or actually do something about them. Uh, so I felt that I needed to step up, uh, run for office myself, and not only provide a more practical voice, but also a younger voice at the table. Wow. Uh, and so uh, knocked on many, many doors uh, during that <laughs> cycle and met lots of incredible uh, Latonians, and um, and here we are today, three years later.
0: Well, we are grateful that both of you decided to pursue that because you both have been great supporters of public schools, and and we appreciate. Yeah, which it. is
1: which is really why. I mean, I've walked for both of your campaigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, your leadership and your support of public education is admirable, and uh, we can't thank you enough for that. So. Thank you
0: again for your time today in this crazy time of year. We especially appreciate it and thank you for your service to Oklahoma.
3: Thank you. Thank you all so much.
1: And welcome to Alicia's Morning Announcements. Do, 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 do. All right, we've got some exciting uh, things going on, deadlines that you need to know about. One of them is the Oklahoma Promise Scholarship that is due uh, June 30th. and yes. um, and and I mean if we've got students that are in eighth, ninth, 10th grade, I mean the first that you can apply for it is in eighth grade. Um, but you can apply for it in ninth and 10th grade as well. Um, but you want to make sure that you get that turned in. even if you think you're on the cusp, Go ahead and and fill it out. Uh, See if you can get your students or your children that scholarship help through Oklahoma's Promise. Uh, It's a great program. I mean, seriously. Yes. Uh, Do it. And then save the date. Woot, woot, woot. Save the date for OEA Summer Leadership. Um, It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be July 15th. It's gonna be virtual and free. Yes. So, um, so save the date for OEA summer leadership. And then, you know, um, as my time as president of the OEA is uh, drawing shorter and shorter. Yes. We know that, um, that the uh, committees run coterminously with the president's term.
0: I like that. I like that. It's a $10 word. Coterminously. Coterminously. Mm -hmm. It's in the... uh, Please try to
1: use that in a sentence today. Well, I only use it when I talk about committees. See if you can sneak it in another time.
0: I'll try. I'm going to try. We'll report back. We'll see if we can do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's kind of a specific word. I know. But... I mean, but if there's a challenge thrown down, uh, of course I'm- <laughs> yes, competitiveness is my middle name. Um, anyway, we have 16 standing committees, and the folks that serve on those um, serve for the three years mm-hmm. uh, with coterminously with the mm-hmm. president, and so um, and so all of those. Committees will be new again when our president elect Catherine Bishop becomes the president. And Mm -hmm. so um, in order to uh, to serve on a committee, you need to fill out a form uh, that lets us know that you are interested. We don't want to just pull people out of the air and put them on committees that they have no interest in whatsoever. Yeah. So if you're not interested in human and civil rights. You don't want to be on the Human and Civil Rights Committee. Like
0: if you put me on the finance, the budget committee, I'd be like, yeah, this is fine.
1: Yeah. I don't know what's
3: happening.
1: I I chaired the finance, uh, the budget committee for um, four years. And I, um, if I never have to do it again, I won't be sad. (laughs) But I mean, it's not my wheelhouse, right? But but I, you know, instruction and professional development, Mm -hmm. uh, member benefits legislative forces on education. I mean, we've got some amazing committees and yes. they do great work. So if you're interested in helping out and being part of this member driven organization at a different level, yes. fill out that form. The nomination forms are on the website. Yep. Okay. slash committees. Yes. And um, they can't, it, is a link in the edge which comes out every tuesday mm-hmm. so um so check it out do it to it be a part
0: be a part two words not a part one word, not which a means part away. from
1: but a part yes
0: you know what we mean get involved Well, we want to say thank you so much to Amanda Ewing of our legislative team, Representative Cindy Munson, and Representative Daniel Pay for joining us today. And thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Copernall-Jacobs
1: with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Alicia Priest, President of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast.gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.